Alright, notice what it says in verse 28 of Luke chapter 14. It says, For which of you, intending to count at the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Jesus is trying to give an example here and just trying to you know, teach people how you know, there's some things you ought to prepare for, some things you ought to plan for. And he's like, none of you would go, and if you're going to build a tower, you're not going to have some kind of plan in place. Because if you do, if you just decide, I'm just going to go build a tower one day, and then all this, and you've not researched the cost of materials, the cost of labor and all these things, you're going to go start something, you're not going to be able to finish it, People are going to begin to mock you. You're going to end up looking really bad. And it's just, you know, common sense that when it comes to certain things, you know, especially financially, that you would have some kind of plan. Yet a common problem in the American culture today is when it comes to finances, people have no plan. They're just kind of doing, taking things as they come. I mean, just whatever they feel like at the moment, they're spending money, not thinking about, you know, bills that they are going to be coming at some point. And I'm preaching this too because we're going into the time of year where people do a lot of really dumb financial things. We're going into the Christmas season. Black Friday is coming. And it's amazing how many people are going to go into massive debt, you know, because of how cheap prices are. During that time, it's amazing how we all fall for every marketing gimmick and technique that is out there and just do stupid stuff that we all regret later. And the truth is, when it comes to financial problems, financial problems are one of the leading causes of stress in in the American culture. Because let's just face it, we've got it pretty good as Americans, don't we? Most of us aren't thinking, you know, we, you know, we may starve to death this week. You know, most of us, we have a place to live. We have clothes. I mean, yes, we don't have the money to pay our bills, but that's because we ran up our credit cards from Black Friday. You know, it's because we got greedy, and it's because many times we don't have some kind of plan. You know, we didn't think about what we were doing. We didn't sit down. We didn't count the cost. And now here we are in a horribly stressful situation. And this, this here, I want to share this with you. This isn't really part of the message so much, but... Once again, uh, financial problems are one of the leading causes of stress. And stress is one of the leading causes of a lot of health problems that people have. And so just these are just a few things in an article I read of things that will affect, you know, how stress affects your health. And one, we see lost sleep. You know, a lot of people are stressed out and they can't sleep. That's not good for your health. You know, when you're... Um, you know, increased levels of anxiety, depression. And a lot of people, they fix their depression by buying stuff. Or a lot of people, they fix their depression by eating stuff. You know, and then and one of the other causes is weight loss or weight gain. Okay? Most people, it's like a weight gain thing. You know, they eat to make them feel better. But, you know, there's a greater risk of cancer, heart disease and stroke. Uh, you know, increased heart rate and blood pressure. Greater numbers of digestive problems like ulcers, constipation and diarrhea, hair loss. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, that's not fair because that's one thing everyone can see, right? But sometimes that's genetic too, okay? And, and let me say 
that I'm as bold as I was when I was like 25. So since I've been pastoring, I haven't really lost any more hair. So uh, just, you know, so don't laugh at me about that. But uh, if you think, you know, dental issues, gum disease, increased risk of diabetes, breakouts and skin problems, you know, joint pain, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, shortness of breaths. I mean, there's a lot of things. And I'll, let me tell you one thing, too, that's not on this list. Years ago, when I went first went full-time into the ministry, it was a huge just adjustment for me. This was when I was at my last church. It was a huge adjustment because I was used to working a job where you punch a clock, you know, where they tell you, do this, you go do it, you get paid this much. And then I went from that to doing a job where I'm getting paid a salary and where, you know, you don't have all the specifics, where you don't really punch a clock, where you kind of have you know, round-the-clock responsibilities. You don't really have a set schedule and all these things. And it was just very stressful, too, because of the fact, too, I was teaching in a Christian school and just putting up with Christian school stuff, okay? If you don't know what that is, thank the Lord, but just go talk to anybody who's ever worked in a Christian school and they'll be able to relate and say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But I got really stressed during that time and I received two boils as a result. And let me tell you, I don't usually research medical stuff. I don't really care about that kind of stuff. But those boils were so horrible. What took place from those things is indescribable. I could not speak from the pulpit. It was just disgusting. And I did. I researched what causes those things. And one of the things that was mentioned, the only thing I could really relate with was the stress. And let me tell you something. To this day... You know, I've, ne- I've never had another boil since that time when I had those two. But to this day, whenever I start to getting stressed, I think about those boils and I calm myself down real quick. Because I, I refuse to get another one of those things. And if stress is what causes it, then you know what? I refuse to have it. And so, you know, like, well, you can't control. You know, we can control some of these things. This isn't a message about stress, but let's just face it. Most of the stress that people are dealing with today is financial related. That is what's causing a lot of the stress that people have and a lot of health problems. I mean, a lot of things can go back to, you know, stress and financial issues. And if we do not have a plan for our finances, we are going to find ourselves stressed out. We're going to find ourselves unhealthy. We're going to find ourselves doing some irresponsible things. We're going to find ourselves doing some things that are frankly immoral where we're not paying people back. We're not, you know, paying what we owe. And that is not a good thing. That is not a recipe for God's blessing on your life, which is only going to create more stress. So just understand when it comes to finances, you should have some kind of plan. And most people today, they don't have any kind of plan. They don't have any kind of a a written budget. They don't, they're not preparing for anything in the future. It's just, they take things from day to day, from paycheck to paycheck, and that is not responsible, that will create a lot of problems for you in your life. And so I want us to look at some uh, biblical principles on this thing uh, and uh, so we can figure out how to have a plan for our finances because this will help you. This is just, uh, I want to give you something that's just very practical that will help you be a happier person. One of the leading causes of marriage problems is finances. That is one of the leading causes of marriage problems, and you've got to get this under control. And so, look at what it says there again in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. You know, Jesus, he's just, he's just making an obvious statement here. 
Listen, any of you, you know, for which of you intending to build a tower, sit not down first and counteth the cost. Okay? When it comes to building a tower, there's certain things that they would have known or they should have known that were to come. And it wouldn't have been hard in that day, even without Google, for them to sit down and figure out, all right, what's materials going to cost? What does labor cost right now? How long is it going to take? You know, what all are we going to have to do? Let's sit down. Let's do the math. And let's figure out what this is going to cost because the last thing we want to do is start something and not finish it. The last thing we want to do is start something and then in order to finish it, we got to run up a whole bunch of debt. We're owing all these people. And back then they had debtors prisons and they didn't want to go to anything like that. So they did. They would plan these things just knowing certain things are going to come. And many people, they have no plan. They have no written budget. And you must be prepared for the typical circumstances that life throws at you. And I'm gonna, I just wanna, to just kind of rebuke just some foolish things that Christians especially say when it comes to their finances, some practices, some teachings that are just irresponsible and they're not biblical. But yet people spin them like they're biblical in a way. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, let's go ahead and look here, because a lot of people would use this to try to debunk what I'm about to teach you. It says in verse 31 of Matthew 6, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now notice, when the Bible tells us not to take thought for things, He's teaching us not to just be worrying about these things. We shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be stressed when it comes to these things. We should be, though, concerned. We should be seeking after doing God's will. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We should be working towards those things. And if we do those things, these other things will fall into place. If we are seeking after His righteousness, then we are going to go to the Word of God to find out what is righteous. And it just so happens there is a lot of teaching in the Bible about how we operate our finances. And if we are not following those principles, we are not righteous. We are not seeking after His righteousness. And so we are going to end up finding ourselves in trouble. So the truth is, you should go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say I should do when it comes to my finances? And do that. That's seeking His righteousness when we do that. It's not us just sitting around saying, well, I'm just not even going to worry about it. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to let everything fall into place. Where do you see that attitude being taught in the Bible? It's the, but the Bible does teach we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be obsessed. We shouldn't be stressing. And we especially shouldn't be getting caught up in man's wisdom when it comes to these things to where we're violating the Word of God. You know, we shouldn't be doing things that would, you know, would be against God's Word in order to take care of ourselves financially. We should realize even if you know, me uh, you know, doing, making this financial decision that is biblical might hurt me financially on paper, I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. You know, for example, when it comes to just giving and the tithes and offerings and things that the Bible teaches, you know, don't go throwing that out just because on paper that will hurt you. Okay, y'all understand, if you do a written budget trying to figure out how you can get, get the most with your finances, if you add tithing and giving in there, you all realize that's going to hurt your budget. But 
we're seeking after his righteousness, I think we ought to do it anyway. Because we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. And I believe that we will be better off when we do those things. But you're not going to see that on paper. But we do see it in the word of God. Okay, so this is also teaching uh, in Matthew chapter six, not to just get caught up in man's wisdom with these things. We just, you know, we need to uh, just follow righteousness. And these principles that I'm going to be sharing with you are in the Bible. So, for example, too, it's okay to have insurance. I hear people say, you know, you shouldn't have insurance. You know, that's just that just proves you're not trusting God. Well, here's the thing. It's okay for people to make a financial decision on what they feel is the cheapest way for them to take care of their medical bills. Because I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, you know, if we live, you know, holy lives, that we'll never get sick, we'll never get hurt, we'll never need a hospital. And folks, the hospital can ruin you if you're not careful. I mean, you go and you break your little toe or something and you have to go to the hospital. I mean, that could cost you thousands of dollars. These things happen to everyone. Having children, that is really expensive. If you're going to the hospital and if, and if complications happen, if something happens, I mean, and you want to try to save the baby's life, which I would recommend, it's going to get really expensive. And so if somebody says, hey, in life, there is sickness, there are accidents, you know, there are health problems. I feel like if I purchase insurance... I will be able to take care of these things in a cheaper way. I think it's okay for you to do that. You are not being irresponsible. You are not, you know, not trusting God and trusting in the, I don't even trust the insurance companies. Okay. And you know what? And I'm not going to tell you what's best to do in all that area, but I do think you're allowed to sit down and count the cost and say, I think this will work better for me in my situation. And it, that, that is up to you. And it's, but I'll tell you what is responsible, just not doing anything. Not doing anything, not having any kind of plan. For some people, they might not possibly be able to afford the insurance. And so they might just choose, you know what, I'm just going to have to be really, really careful. You know, if, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. That's all, that's all there is to it. You know, and I don't think we need to go voting for politicians just going to give it to everybody. Well, last thing we need to do is look to them to help. I wish they would stop helping. They're, they're, they keep making it worse. But you know, it's also, I believe it's okay to save for retirement. Okay? Look, look what it says in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. Because a lot of people, they'll just start, you know, you know, bless God, you know, I'll retire when I'm dead. Well, you know what? I think we ought to always do what we can to keep busy and keep active and things like that. But, you know, chances are, if you live long enough, you're going to get pretty old and you're not going to be able to do what you used to do. I guarantee you when I'm 80 years old, I'm trying to be healthy. I don't think I'll be able to do order filling and things like that. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to handle that anymore. I don't think I'm going to be building houses and, you know, chopping down trees or what, you know, I don't think I'll be able to do that stuff when I'm at that age. I hope I can, but I probably won't be able to do it. And the Bible does say in Proverbs 21 verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. It's foolish to just spend everything you have. You ought to try to save some things. You ought to prepare yourself financially. And if you do, if you save up some money for retirement, you're not a bad person. If you invest in a 401k or an IRA or something like that, 
If you have made a financial decision to invest your money in, a, in an area like that so you can be taken care of when you're older by somebody other than the government, you know what? God bless you. I, I think that's great. I think it's okay for you to do that. What I think is foolish is for you just to assume that you're not going to get old. Okay? And the truth that, cause, and you might not get old. You might die. But at the same time, too, if you're married, you ought to think about how am I going to take care of my wife? You know, how's my wife going to be taken care of? You know, if, if something happens to me and I die, if I die, how will my, you know, if I die right now, I've got a whole bunch of kids. How are they going to be taken care of? And you know what? If you, and if you make a financial decision too, to go and buy life insurance, you're not a bad Christian for that. I, I, you know, well, that's not the program that they had in the Bible. Well, you know what? Our government doesn't do any of the program that they had in the Bible. So since our government does not operate the way the government, you know, did in the Bible, the way God intended, I think it's okay for me to do some things to try to protect myself and and my family from what could happen to them in this wicked and perverse nation. And if you choose to do something like that, do not listen to some clown. Get out there and tell you you're not trusting in God. I don't see where God promised me that I would live until all my kids are grown up and out of the house. There's no reason why I couldn't drop dead tomorrow or something could happen to me and I, I could get, get killed. And if I want to do some things to prepare for that, that's okay. Life insurance is not a lack of faith. Proverbs chapter 21, or 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Tomorrow I could get in a car wreck that could cripple me, paralyze me, where I'm not able to work. You know, I, I could die. My wife could die. I mean, there's, there, you realize there's a lot of bad things that could happen to us. There's so many bad things that could happen to us. It's scary sometimes. I recommend you don't think about it too much. Okay. But there are, there's a lot. We don't know what a day can bring forth. And if we want to try to put some protections in place, that's okay to do that. I believe it's wise. But once again, have a plan. Just, just have a plan. Factor those things in there. Don't starve to death today. So you can eat like a king in the future. You know, obviously take care of the daily things first. You know, make sure you think, you know, you, you think about that. Use some common sense. But, you know, just going back to the, what the Old Testament says too, for example, for about taking care of a widow or orphans or things like that, that only works in a land for following the Old Testament. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 19, Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. We do see a lot of examples of things in the law on how they were to take care of the widows and how they were, to, they were to take care of the fatherless. Our country does not do all those things. So if I want to have some kind of plan in case something happens to take care of my family, I think that's just being responsible. I think you ought to do that. And, you know, I've set things up so if I die, my wife will be better off financially. Sometimes when we think we're struggling financially, I kind of have to sleep with one eye open, you know, and just think, you know, check my brake lines and stuff like that, you know, because it's like, man, you know, she'll be able to buy all those things that I can't buy her if, if I die. But not if she murders me, though. So, you know, yeah, don't get too much life insurance. Otherwise, otherwise you're not going to you're not going to sleep well at night. But at the same time, I do. I do want to know they're going to be taken care of. I think you ought to do that. So. You're not disobeying God by being prepared. In fact, you're actually obeying God when you do that. And you're disobeying God 
when you allow these things to worry you and they and then the things that you're worried about cause you to disobey God. Okay, I'm sinning, not when I'm saving for retirement and being responsible with my money. I'm sinning when I quit depending on God. I don't think God's going to take care of me and I decide to invest my money in the lottery tickets. You know, that that's when I'm sinning and getting myself in trouble. You know, the Bible tells us we ought to go to the ant who has, you know, who has no guide, overseer, or ruler, you know, prepare their meat in the summer. You know, that ant, it gets ready. Unlike, you know, the grasshopper, you know, that just, it just kind of does its thing, it plays, and then he ends up starving to death later. You know, we ought to be preparing. The Bible teaches that. And you're not spiritual if you don't do anything. You're not spiritual if every week and every day you just empty your wallet of anything it possibly has and just, you know, hope for the best. That, that's not being spiritual. That's being reckless. That's being irresponsible. And it's going to create a great deal of unnecessary stress in your life that God doesn't want. Go ahead and plan for some things. It's just, it just makes sense because, you know, I'm planning on getting old. It's part of my plan to get old. It's part of my plan to get really old. You know, that, that's, what I, that's what I'm shooting for. You know, so, but at the same time, I've been around long enough to know that if I succeed in getting really old, I will not be able to do all the things physically that I, I'm able to do today. So I would rather, you know, work hard today and try to make some of that extra money to prepare and to save for myself in the future so I won't have to work as hard that I, I don't think I don't think that's wrong. I think that's just wisdom right there. You know, and I do, I, I plan on continuing to work until the day I die. I just don't want to have to work as hard. Cause I, am I lying folks? I mean, do we have any people that are, you know, over 80 here that you can do what you did when you were 40? All right. I, I, so you can, you all can vouch for me on this one that, you know, things don't work. I, I'll, I'll bet y'all can't lift as much, run as fast, you know, you, you that's just, that's just called nature. That's just the way it goes. So, you know, think about these things. Prepare for them. It's another thing people, they're not prepared to give an account with what they've done and what they're doing. Because here's the thing too. While we would all admit, yeah, man, I struggle financially. I have financial stress. Okay. If, if I came to you and said, all right, well, why are you struggling financially? Most people wouldn't be able to tell you why. I, I don't know. I just don't have enough money. Oh, really? Because it's amazing how many people have a lot more money than I do and yet have greater financial problems than I do. And if you ask people, I, I just I don't know where it goes. It's because they have no plan. They don't sit down and count the cost. They don't have that writ, written budget. It says in Luke chapter 16, verse 1, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him, that he had wasted his good. An accusation was thrown at him that he had wasted the goods that he had been put in charge of, that he was a steward over. And it says, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest no longer be steward. He said, all right, you were put in charge of this. Now give an account. What does that mean? Show me on paper what happened. What did you do with my money that I put you over? And let me ask you, what have you done with the money that God has given you? Okay, that, that paycheck that you've been getting, what happened to it? Where is it? At the end of the year, when you're doing your taxes and everything, 
Are you, you know, are you able to sit down and say, this is where my money went this year? You know, you all expect us to be able to do that here at the church. All the money that comes in on the offerings, you expect me to be able to show a financial report and say, here's where the money went. And the truth is, if I wasn't able to show where the money went, you know, you see every week in the bulletins, you know, how much is coming in. And if if at some point in the year, at the end of the year, you're like, all right, hey, where did it all go? I ought to be able to tell you. I ought to be able to show you. And the thing is, when it comes to your money, it's not just your money, it's God's money. What did you do with it? Because you got a lot of Christian people, they're sitting around acting like God isn't being good to them, like God isn't taking care of them, like God isn't providing for them. And then my question is, okay, what did you do with what God gave you? And most people couldn't tell you. Most people can't show you. They have no idea. And you know, sometimes, folks, you just got to admit, I don't know how to do a budget. And you know what you might need to do? You might need to read a book. Man, I know that's a really ancient concept right there. You might need to read a book. You might need to, and folks, this is humiliating, you might need to go to someone who is older than you. I know you might be a grown man, a grown lady, and say, hey, can you show me how to do this? Can you show me how to do a budget? That might be, a, that might be kind of humiliating, but you know what? You ought to humble yourself. And say, I don't know what I'm doing. These, these things are not being taught today. Parents are not teaching. I, I was taught a lot of these things when I went to school doing math. They taught you all these things. But you know what? You learned it just good enough to pass and go on to the next thing. You know, there, uh, when, it, and when it came down to it, by the time I got married, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I had to figure it out. I had to read some books. And... I was too embarrassed to ask uh, anybody, but I did read the books. So, and, and you know, and we figured it out. I was like, where is all my money going? I'm making all this money and we never have any. I'm getting a paycheck every two weeks and I have no money. Where is it all going? And we didn't know. Why do we have all this debt? How, how did we accumulate that much debt that fast? We're not going out and going crazy and buying. We didn't have nice, fancy, expensive cars, but yet we had no money. Not only that, we had debt. And finally, we did. We finally, we sat down and actually made a real live budget. And I remember too, it was an adjustment. It was probably five or six years into our marriage by the time we finally did that. And then all of a sudden, I'm telling my wife, can't buy this, can't buy this, can't buy this. She's like, why not? I have to buy these things. Like we can't buy this, and you know, it just wasn't registering. And then finally, you know, I, I was able to have this budget. Like, look, this is why. You know, yeah, but we've got we've got you know three hundred dollars in our checking account. Yes, but we have three hundred today on the thirty first, but rent is due for five hundred on the first. So we don't have three hundred dollars. You know, and a lot of people they just. You know, there was all these things that every year we would have these huge crises financially. Every year when I have to buy new license plate stickers, it was a huge crisis. I never had that extra 85 bucks that one thing was at the time. Never had it. And it's like, why not? You know, it comes. And finally, I remember somebody mentioned this one time, I think, or I read it in a book, you know, because one of the financial crises we had every year was Christmas. And somebody said one time, you do realize that Christmas comes December 25th. Every year. So, you know, that's true. 
But what happened? We were never prepared for it. You know, we never planned for it. There was no plan. You know, it was a crisis every every year on our birthdays. You know, when we're supposed to buy people birthday presents, and it's like I don't have the money. Why not? It's because we didn't plan. We didn't. We didn't have a budget. It was there wasn't something on paper, and it has just always been the case in throughout history, throughout life, and it's still that way in business today, that you ought to be able on paper to show where the money's going, but your average family today can't do it. They have no idea how to do it. Husband and wife are having arguments with each other about what's going on with the money, and they have no idea what's going on with the money, and none of them can win the argument because neither of them know how to go on paper and say, here's what's going on, here's what's happened. And it takes time, it takes work, and you've got to do these things. If there is no written plan, there is no way to figure out where you're going wrong. There's no way to figure out where the waste is. And let me tell you something, folks. It is an eye-opening thing, and it is a, it, when you do, when you finally take the time to do that budget, and you are forced to look at the reality of what you're doing, you sometimes have to start admitting, wow, we're kind of irresponsible. You know, we eat out way too much. We're spending this much on rent. We're spending this much on eating out. You know, if we would just cook our meals at home, you know, we could, we could rent a bigger house. You know, we'd actually be able to afford to actually buy something. You know, you start, you know, you know, why are we paying? And this, we weren't there, but I, I know people like this, paying 600 a month on a car payment and four or 500 a month on rent. Why, why would you pay more for the car you drive than the house that you live in every month? That's not real smart, folks. And listen, just because, you know, sorry, car dealerships are going to tell you, hey, we checked your credit and you can afford all this. No, you can't. You can't afford as much as they tell you. Just because they're going to give you a loan for something doesn't mean you can afford it. Or it doesn't mean you should do that. Do you really want that much of your money going towards your transportation I mean, we all, I get it. We all need transportation, but do we all need to have do we all need to have leather heated seats? Now, if you can afford that, great. I'm jealous, but you know, at the same time, some of us we just need to admit we can't afford it. You know, if you if you want to eat all the just you know fancy high dollar stuff, fancy restaurants, you know, God bless you. But some of us need to admit, you know what? We're supposed to be on a crackers and cheese budget because that's what we can afford. We can't afford those things. We can't go to name brand places. We need to go to Goodwill. It's, and I've known these people. It's like they have this attitude. I deserve to get my clothes. I only get my clothes from whatever. Versace. I don't know. I don't know these things. It's like, really? You know, I get my clothes from Walmart. Why can't you get your clothes from Walmart? Oh, those are, those are just too cheap. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yes. But you do realize that you don't make enough money where you should be shopping at some of those places. But it's like people can't admit it. It's like, no, I am me. I deserve to drive around in a new vehicle. Not if you can't afford it. And we have, we've known, we've had them in our family. They just have this attitude. We are, we have decided that we are this upper middle class. And so we deserve that lifestyle. Not if you don't have the income for it. Some of us just need to admit that, you know what? We ought to be living in a shack because that's what we're making. And the truth is, 
you know, your finances, your budget, your income, it proves that. And you are, if you're only making, you know, X amount of dollars a year and then you're just spending these large amounts on these things, you are reckless and you are irresponsible. You know, and you just need to stop trying to keep up with the Kardashians and people like that. And you just need to do what you can actually afford. And you know what? It's humbling as a husband when you have to look at your wife and say, you know what? You're, we're poor. We have to drive junky vehicles. <laughs> you have to get your, you know, you have to get your clothes from Goodwill. But if, if that's what you make, that's what you make. Some of us, we, I, I get it. We all want to be at a certain level. We just got to admit where we're really at financially. And a lot of people can't do that. And just understand when you go and you play pretend and you act like, you know, you know how to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous, just understand you're in a fantasy world and it's going to come back to haunt you eventually when you're, you know, filing bankruptcy because you have no way of paying those bills and it's laughable, folks. And you all know this. We all know this deep down inside. This is why we won't take the time to write these things down on paper and get it figured out. We, I mean, it's laughable what some people are spending on clothes based on their budget, on entertainment based on their budget. Really, you're make, that's what you're making a month. And you're spending, you know, $100 on this, you know, cable package. You know, you're, you've got Netflix and Hulu and all these things. And, you know, you, and, and, and then you're going, you know, to the movie theaters all the time and spend all, I mean, it, some people, a massive portion of their budget is spent on entertainment. That's just foolish, folks. Some of you need to admit, and I know this is going to sound really crazy. Some of you just have to admit and say, you know what? I can't afford cable. And I know that's a necessity like oxygen is for some people. But at the same time, some of you need to admit, I can't afford it. And I'm not going to get it. That's just, and you know, I'm sick of this too. If I may just get off on a side note, I'm sick of people standing there smoking cigarettes telling me what they can't afford. I can't afford cigarettes. Somebody, you're going to come up to me smoking a cigarette, trying to get money from me. Because you can't afford something that I, I can't afford cigarettes. You know what? Next time somebody asks me for money and they, they're smoking cigarettes, I'm asking money from them. <laughs> I, I'm just going to do it. Next person that calls me up, I'm going to ask them, do you smoke cigarettes? Yep. It's like, can I borrow, can I have some money? <laughs> I'm doing it. Because, you know, if you can afford pot, then you're, you know, don't come asking me for money. You know, even if you don't, don't ask me for money. I'm not, you know, but I don't even know where I left off. But yeah, you must have the kind of standard. You, you ought to have some kind of standard for how much of your income should go to certain areas. And, you know, I, I don't have time to just, you know, go an example. The, there's a lot of things you have to factor in. This is where you actually have to talk to somebody. I'm not going to tell you this percentage should go towards, you know, living expenses or, you know, your house, this much. There's a lot of things you have to factor in. If you make, you know, if, if you're a millionaire, you can afford to have a bigger percentage of your income go, go towards, you know, entertainment, houses, things like that. Because whether you're rich or you're poor, you need the same amount of food to survive. So if you're poor, a bigger percentage of your income is going to go towards food. 
than other people. There's a lot of things you have to factor in, but you need to sit down and do the math. You need to look at these things on paper. You've got to see the harsh reality. And let me tell you, I've gotten other people to do this before, and I always warn, anytime I warn a couple about doing this, be prepared for a fight. This always gets the fights going in marriages. It really does. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to duke it out and you got to have it out because the fight's only going to get worse later on. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just a reality. But figuring out what percentage of your income should go towards certain categories, you can't necessarily figure that out from the Bible. Okay. Cause for one, we don't live in tents today. We have a weird, crazy, corrupt tax code that they didn't have back in that day. You got to factor all that stuff in. So, and there's people that can help you with that. You know, we, we don't really own land today because of the fact that we pay taxes on it forever. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things. And so since the system of today is what's getting us in trouble, it's important that we understand today's system and try to figure out how to work with it. And it's, it is, it's hard to beat the system, but certain Bible principles, like we're talking about today, they will help you in any economy. So just real brief, I don't have time to go through everything I wanted to cover today, but you do need to admit there are just some things you can't afford. The Bible says, one of the, the Ten Commandment, Exodus 20:17, thou shalt not covet. Now understand, if you go to Walmart and you see a big screen TV and you desire it, that is something that is available for you to have, assuming you have the money. If you go to the car dealership and you see that fancy car, you're not necessarily, it's not necessarily coveting to just desire something, but it is coveting when you desire something that is not yours to have. For example, your neighbor's wife. Can't have that. But it's the same thing too. If you don't have the income for some things, that is just not for you to have. There's some neighborhoods you don't need to go looking at houses in because you can't afford it. There is no way you can legitimately get that in your present situation. You're just going to go and you're going to be desiring that. And it's just going to, it's, you know, and it's, it's going to get you in trouble. Don't do that. You need to just admit there's some things you can't afford. And it helps to have that physical proof. I say this all the time, but math is absolute. Math never lies. Math, math is a lot like the Bible. It's absolute. It, it doesn't change. And let me tell you something. It is often, just like it's often painful to step on a scale, look in the mirror, and see the reality of things, just like it is often painful to look into the perfect law of liberty of God's Word, and you see what you really are, it is often a very painful thing to let math tell you the truth about your financial situation. And you know what math says about some of us? That we're irresponsible, that we have no self-control, that we're reckless, that our priorities are wrong, that we're selfish. That's what, that's what your written budget is going to show you in many cases if you do it right. And that's not a fun realization sometimes. But folks, rip off the band-aid. You know, get a hold of this thing. It's only going to help. It's okay for you to have goals and dreams, but sometimes we have to admit they're not attainable at this time. I can't afford that yacht that I want right now. You know, I just, you know, sometimes you just might have to say, you know what, I shouldn't go to Bass Pro Shop. 
And, you know, we all have our weaknesses. We all have our areas. You know, Bass Pro Shop, man. When I go there, I start, man, I hate being poor. You know, <laughs> but I'm fine if I don't go there much. You know, there, there's, there's no end to potential things for you to want to spend your money on. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 10 11, we see that Solomon said, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked in all the works of, that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. You will never get more than Solomon got for himself, and it didn't make him happy. You can't satisfy this flesh. He said, well, yeah, but Sol- Solomon, they didn't... He didn't get satisfied because they didn't have 72-inch high-definition 4K TVs back then. That's not going to bring you satisfaction, right? You get a 72-inch, you're going to want a 75-inch next year. All these people, all these morons that are going to be fighting for the 72-inch TVs this year were fighting over the 65-inches last year. And they'll be fighting over the 80-inch the year after that. You know why? Because they're always going to be pathetic. Because they're never going to see the reality of these things. Don't be that way. Get your priorities right. Be honest. Pay your bills on time. That's going to help get rid of a lot of stress. You know, concentrate on your health. Be healthy. Being unhealthy gets really expensive and causes more problems. You know, have, you know concentrate on having quality time. You know, what's the point of making a lot of money if you don't get to enjoy it? If you don't get to have any time with your family? If you're never there around your kids, what's the point? You know, and, and listen, giving is one of the most satisfying things you can do with your finances. It ought to be a goal for you to get to a point where you will be able to give and you can be a blessing to other people. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You will enjoy yourself more if you do these things. And in and, and this time of year, when this is where people get the most stressed financially and this is where they end up making some of the worst choices that cause even more financial stress for the next year. But if you get anything from this message, the one thing I need you to get is just make sure that you have some kind of written, detailed plan explaining what you are doing financially. Most people, if, if you are the typical American today, you have no idea where your money is and where it is going. And that is a recipe for stress. That's a recipe for problems and God wants us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy our life and it'll help. The solution is not more money. The solution is not a rich aunt dying and giving you a bunch of money or you winning the lottery. You know, it's just you following these Bible principles. They will help you. There's a lot of people who have very low incomes and they're very happy people. You know why? Because they've got their priorities right and what they have, they've got it in order. People have a lot of money. It's just out of control because their priorities are wrong. They're being reckless, they're being irresponsible, and things are turmoil for them. Don't let that happen to you. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. I pray help us to follow these things. I pray this time of year, as we're being bombarded with and commercials and uh, just our entire culture going crazy with the spending, that we will uh, be responsible, that we will not get reckless. I pray You'll help each person in here to take the time and to do the hard thing and look at the reality of what they're doing with their finances. And I pray you'll help them to uh, get these things under control so they will not be controlled by them. We don't need uh, more Christians just getting out of your will, trying to chase that dollar. And I pray that this uh, message will be an inspiration to help in that area. In your name we pray. Amen.
Well, let's go ahead and